Hello everyone, and welcome to This Nintendo Life, episode 224! My name is NBZ, and uh, the hay fever's really hit me, Bally. Uh, sounds like I have a cold, uh, once again, as usual, this time of year. Um, but it's really just the hay fever blocking my nose instead of making it run like a river. Which in some senses helps, because it means I don't have to lean away from the microphone to wipe away a stream that's going down my face. Instead, I just have to sound a little bit bugged up, even though uh, I don't have any other symptoms relating to it. I mean, it is How's- stream season right now so it is like, you're correct that is correct uh you know it's it, it's this lovely synergy we have between the <laughs> summer period and uh, the video game summer period um, and yeah things are popping off uh things are happening the events have been streamed and things are going on still don't know what the fuck nintendo's doing we're, we're here on the 12th of june 12th of uh, hoping june. hoping that nintendo does something at some point but who the hell knows uh but in any case uh, we're still here to deliver you a bona fide episode of video game chatter and nintendo talk and all that good stuff uh how how's things been going over there with you bally it's good uh, yes we are recording quite early i am um traveling next weekend which is another reason and then combined with nintendo being quite difficult at the moment it's yes it, we're all just recording in a funny order but uh we'll get it i'm, in, I'm enjoying a lot of what's going on with some of these streams i've seen i've not there's still a lot for me to catch up on um it's a couple of games this publisher's been working on that uh-huh. like look really good. They've been going wild on the, that PlayStation YouTube channel. Uh-huh. Have you heard of them? I uh, don't know. No, never heard of them before. Um, yeah, so I think last time I mentioned that uh, I have been involved in uh, some announcements that were going to take place during this summer period, um, and they just happened. So if you watch the future game show uh, that happened on Saturday, uh, that uh, obviously was a place where they announced a bunch of games. Saturday 11th of June, because this is going to come out in like a Yes, yeah, so like a week ago at this point, yeah. so you'll have you'll be long, long past uh, listening uh, or watching that. Um, two games uh, that my company, Playstack, uh, announced for publishing uh, got announced, which is... Uh, uh, incredibly cool and i have been working uh, pretty much non-stop for the last few weeks on stuff like trailers and steam pages and gifs and screenshots and everything you can name uh to uh, to get things ready for these uh, announcements and these launches and uh, the two games are the entropy C- the entropy center which is a first-person puzzle game uh, where you rewind time uh, and you have a talking gun. Uh, it's very cool. It kind of rides that line between, like, funny but also, like, uh, you know, melancholic and, uh, you know, the earth is ending, so you have to basically try and find a way of stopping that happening uh, by rewinding time. And uh, it's incredibly cool. Uh, I met the developer last year and then chatted to him and was like, we have to sign your game. Um, and now we have. And now it's been announced and people seem to really like it, which is which is very awesome. And uh, that one won't unfortunately be coming to switch it'll be uh, on the other consoles and pc but the other game that uh, we announced is called the last faith which is if you know me it's uh, you know it's a, it's a metroidvania so of course uh, gonna be talking about that one and uh, it's a kind of gothic bloodborne castlevania-esque um metroidvania that is but a hell of a lot more bloody and brutal like, very gory really gritty um, one, I think one of the hallmarks of it is that it has these brutal executions where when you get enemies into a stun state, you can basically hit a button and it does a incredible animation that uh, involves like axes into heads and blood going everywhere and beating people's head to a pulp and stuff like that. It's like some of the most gory pixel art I think I've ever seen. <laughs> 
Yeah, it really is. Uh, so so that will be coming to Nintendo Switch uh, in the future, which is exciting stuff. And I, man, I'm very excited to play that on my Switch at some point. But um, yeah, if you're interested to check out either of those games, obviously I am completely biased. So take take all of this with a grain of salt because uh, obviously I was involved in finding these games and publishing these games. Um, and as a result, I you know probably won't talk about them in any kind of like critical capacity on the show. Um, but uh, but yeah, I just wanted to let people know that some very cool video games that. Uh, i've had a hand in working on uh are now announced and i'm very excited all i've been doing bally is just watching people react to these trailers uh it's, it's yeah it's been uh it's been very very cool and uh yeah i'm i'm super excited so uh, i'll probably put some links into the description if you want to go watch the trailers uh and as you mentioned yeah they are they're doing very well on the playstation youtube channel right now i think last faith is almost at two hundred thousand views so damn it's doing it's super it's super cool because you know we've been doing this podcast a long time and we've talked about the summer period e3 for a long time and now for you to actually be directly involved in two pretty damn interesting looking games in my opinion i think is is really really awesome stuff so congrats thanks man i really appreciate it yeah it's uh it was very very exciting and uh yeah hopefully uh more to come soon so uh so yeah let's get into it though bali what are we going to be talking about on today's show so slightly shorter show uh, as mentioned because i am traveling but we're going to do a two segment show the first segment we're going to be talking about the games that we have been playing and the second segment we've got your emails that we're going to go through absolutely so uh let's start things off bally with a game a classic in my mind uh that has been a while uh, for you to get to it but you finally have this game is 11 years old yeah absolutely um it's to the moon uh which i think didn't you watch nintendo capri sun's playthrough of this back in the day i think at this point you'll have forgotten everything Did about I really? it but i'm, I'm oh pretty God. certain that you watched uh ncs play through this game back in the day the whole um, of it or like the whole of it yeah i'm pretty sure really yeah yeah wow <laughs> i really i did not yep I... I remember talking to you about it and everything so yeah i'm pretty sure you did wow so. okay yeah that just i've i completely forgotten it i had a yeah i guess i had i guess some of it is now like quite hazy in my memory now that you say it but yeah I, I was completely unaware of that and even like as i revealed plot points none of them stuck none of them hit me like i'd already seen them so i don't know right that's, that's interesting yeah um but yeah to the moon it's like it's a really neat little four to five to six hour like very story driven um game and it's almost like it's, it's like this rpg setting you're looking down on these characters and it's made in an engine called rpg maker engine called um, rpg maker and you're yes. playing as members of the segment corporation and my understanding is that they're basically in the business of creating artificial memories um and they can only do this to Apparently, legally, they can only do this to people who are go, uh, soon to be soon to die to, on their deathbed. Yeah, they're on their deathbed basically, and it's basically a way in order to almost rewrite their life in their own head, like yes. change change their memory so that they get rid of any regrets that they had throughout life. Basically, so there's a whole lot of like, so these two characters go inside this old man's head, and then there's basically a whole lot of like pseudo time traveling although it's not actually time traveling because it's just going through different memories in his right. head and they go backwards in time through his memories so you're kind of finding this story out in reverse which is a really yes. cool thing and you go backwards but then you go forwards and you go backwards again and like stuff happens and there's beats that happen that reveal things and then yeah and yeah it, like so initially i did face quite a lot of jank like i think the game i mean it's a very old game i guess at this point yeah but it's really old it doesn't 
like it just felt very frustrating with my analog stick and there's a whole lot of like you think your character character could walk through a path when they can't and then you have to walk around and then like it was starting conversations when i didn't mean to start conversations and like it was frustrating in that sense but obviously it's not an action game it doesn't affect the overall impact that much it was just a little bit frustrating initially um but and certainly by the end of the game i'm not going to go into any spoilers but by the end of the game i definitely had missed like the meaning of maybe a couple of the story beats that i read about online later that okay i had just slightly missed or that i thought they'd been slightly misinterpreted i i slightly misinterpreted them in the way that it was conveying those points but i think that the story itself and the characters and the music and the set like oh, I've talked music. about how in a game like Chicory and you still need to play Chicory and Mizeb, but yes, like, I, I, know, I feel yeah. like that game's music elevates it way above where that game would otherwise be. And I think that To the Moon is maybe in that category, that camp, because I really found the music and it's very like piano driven, this incredible song. I think the song itself is called To the Moon and that plays into yeah. the plot and everything. But like it's it's an, it's a, it's a really really incredible like hopeful kind of piano piece that just keeps going through yeah. the whole game and I really loved loved that. Um, the music really does a lot to elevate the emotional beats of these games. Uh, and Kangao is an incredible composer, uh, and the music that he writes is just stunning for all of the games in this series. But um, I think that's the thing. So he's the composer as well as like the the developer of the game. Yeah. Right? Yeah, pretty much. I think the first game was more of a solo project from him. Um, I think he's had some people come in and help with other stuff in the later games and, and had other people contribute music right. and stuff like that. I think Laura Shigihara, who made a different game that's also a kind of... I think Rakuen is the name of that game that she made. She has done music, I think, for some of his stuff in the past as well. But um, for me, it's like the the writing, which is so it's so well done. Like it, it, it It's so emotional, but also like that paired with the music always... like imposter factory last year like got me to the verge of tears like these are the only games that can really do that to me they are Mm. so beautifully weaved in that way um and i think the writing and the plot is very serious but then there's a whole lot of goofiness like written in there as well and the the dynamic between the two i want to say scientists because they're in like scientist lab coats but yeah they basically are just employees who work for this segment corporation to work on the memories and it's the whole narrative is is essentially told through these two characters talking to each other going through time and talking about what they're seeing um and a lot of their conversations are so goofy and really like there's a lot of real slapstick comedy in there that is essentially being told through like an rpg lens and you see this a bit with games like earthbound and final fantasy 6 uh but then this is a whole game that's essentially those cutscenes broken down into like that kind of that view like it's, it's hard to describe but it's something that's very unique to this type of game that i don't think you could convey in you know tv film or other right. media like it's a very game specific and i would argue even jrpg rpg specific kind mm-hmm. of comedy because it's the way that these little not stick figures but like sprite figures that you're looking at from above are just doing these little jokes and and yeah i won't spoil it but there's, that was in one one way in which that there was like a story beat i slightly misinterpreted was because they were sprites and looking down and oh right I don't okay. know, it's hard to explain but um i know what you mean yeah yeah i i i thought the plot was 
it's set up quite a lot and then it's it the the reasons behind a lot of these things kind of left me like okay yeah i guess that makes sense but then i think the character interactions and some of the the jokes and dialogue are a lot stronger than kind of the meaning of the story in, in that yeah. sense um, i think the, the emotional beats is what emotional gets beats, me right for like, sure that's the important stuff and it with, does with convey that really well and having these segments of this person's life that you're constantly returning to does build a bit of a familiarity um with like what's happened in his life and so when you return to these uh, segments or areas and then things happen it, it does feel slightly more impactful because you're not just tur- turning up to that um situation for the first time like it does have some resonance because you've already been there and done that which it's clever storytelling and it it does feel like fairly it could be done outside the games but it feels fairly unique to the way that it's it's doing it and like within a short four to five hour game it's like a it's i like what it covers like it's quite a lot to cover and it's impressive well what you were talking about with the sprites and them kind of like moving around and like conveying things it's that it's that kind of imagination is bred from the limitations you have right so like with those old super nintendo games because they're just sprite characters on a screen you as a person or a player will imagine it a little bit more in in like what it would actually look like in a sense right and so because of the limitations it it lends you that ability because it's it's not like a fully 3d rendered cutscene, right where they leave nothing to the imagination with games especially older games you kind of have that element that you bring to it right yes um which i think is very important in kind of conveying uh the emotional beats and then what gets across yeah. and um i was interested because this is something that he's kind of moved a little bit away from in his other games is the kind of puzzle sections to go between areas how did you find those and did you feel like they were superfluous or did you enjoy doing them yeah i think it's a decent mechanic to force you to collect five doodads basically like i like the fact that it's like right we want you to explore this area before moving on but how do we make sure you do it that's not like so it's a way of forcing you to look at the different points in an area without without it feeling as forced but you actually are yeah. forced because you need the five things um right i like that about it because it's like right, i'm just gonna explore that's an interesting thing okay they, they've told a little story about this item okay here we go and right i've got my five doodads and then i put them into this item that's like a, a it's like a each item is like a reference memory or something like it's yeah they're like orbs and then you slot them into this yeah. grid in order to basically figure out a puzzle that breaks open the kind of barrier to the next memory yeah. right um i like the fact that like you pick up the five things so you see the the, the different parts of the area the puzzle itself is fine but but after the first few i i re- i'd really worked out like a strategy with them and it, that strategy helped me with with every single puzzle for the rest of the game which was nice they never got yeah. too like difficult um had they been much more difficult i would have got very frustrated and wanted totally to. yes but, no, um, i know you would like they were yeah. just the right level of difficulty where it was like okay right, i've worked it out done and, and that was fine um so I, it worked for me but it, there may be treading a fine line with with that sort of mechanic in a game yeah like this and sure. i think that's kind of like why they moved away from it like in imposter factory you still collect all the orbs as you go around and, and explore areas but when you get to the gate you just press a button and they just throw it into the gate yeah i could imagine that appealing to more people i think that puzzle mechanic will frustrate certain people um right because really you're just here for the narrative right that's basically what these games are they're basically visual novels just in a different type of setting right um and there's a lot less exploration around areas than 
I would have thought going into the game, especially with the way that the game opens, where you are walking about a bit more, and it goes yes. it goes into a much more narrow, linear kind of storytelling right. path, and and that's fine. I think that worked well for this game. Um, and yeah, I was just left feeling very, oh, is that the direction? Right, okay, that's what this game means. And oh, okay, I, I didn't, I didn't have strong feelings. I know that's very boring on the podcast, but like, it didn't, yeah didn't really hit me in the way that i think maybe the game wanted it to hit me although certain beats along the way hit me perhaps harder than like the outcome as it were and that's fine like that's totally what the game is going for to a degree but um i'm not sure i know you hold this game super high up i love it yeah and it's it's you know it's if i think it features in our top 50 list doesn't it and at some yeah i can't remember where but uh, i can't remember there but um yeah i I like it a lot. I'm like I don't think it's like in that sort of bracket for me personally, but I, I'm glad That's I played fair. it and like it's 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 cool. It's it's for a game that is from 2011. It's very impressive. Like I think that is yeah that's something to and say. I I would say like oh maybe it's because it is such an old game that you haven't connected with it as much. But that said, like Imposter Factory that came out last year is doing pretty much the same thing that this did. Like the style is still the same. It hasn't changed. The game looks exactly the same in terms of its aesthetic and and what it's trying to do and its writing and all that stuff. And still, Imposter Factory knocked me off my feet last year. So I think maybe I'm just very much the the target for these types of games. Like, um, they they really hit a uh, a spot with me um, that you know maybe doesn't connect with um, you quite as much, which is totally okay. But um, yeah, I I do really love To the Moon, and um, you know I still think it's worth checking out. Uh, and obviously, is goes on sale every now and again on Switch as well. And you play the Switch version, which I, um, I think was okay, right? Seemed decent. Yeah, this is the first full game I played with like my fixture s1 and that was oh nice that was very nice to play it was it's just nice awesome. to pick up um so yeah and the next one's called like thing me paradise what? finding paradise, paradise yeah is the next one um i might try that sometime at some point yeah. I'm, I'm i'm not adverse to that i'll give it a go but yeah to, cool to the moon neat little game i was i was impressed awesome well, Bali, let's talk about something you're not impressed with, because on our list here, you've written <laughs> Muso F.E. Trash, um, which, you know, like, <laughs> I get it. I, don't, I don't think either of us are into uh, Dynasty Warriors slash Muso games in any way, and generally we were like, I remember, so here's a memory I have of being in my university library watching i think it was a nintendo direct uh like during lunchtime and seeing hyrule warriors get announced for the first time and me texting you new zelda game and then me texting you straight after oh don't no it's not it's it's a muso (laughs) game um so i distinctly remember that like holy shit they're doing a new zelda and then being like oh it's one of these they're doing this to zelda what the fuck and i think that was the first um nintendo x uh koei tecmo project together with these these kind of nintendo ip being lent the the muso skin essentially um and after that they've done a lot right so they've done another zelda one with age of calamity and then they did a fire emblem one at the launch of switch and now they're doing the same thing with zelda where obviously they did kind of a generic zelda one then they did a specific game one they've done a generic fire emblem warriors and now they're doing a specific game one which is based on the three houses universe uh, with all the characters from that game and is called fire emblem warriors three hopes um 
And I downloaded the demo for this just because I was like, well, I love Three Houses. I really like all the characters there. Let's just check this out and see how it is. Um, and, you know, I'm not adverse to the Warrior style of combat. I did actually really enjoy playing Age of Calamity when we checked out the demo last year. Like, there's something, like, brainless about it and mashy about it that I'm like, you know what? I could chill and, like, turn my brain off and just kind of mash through this, uh, you know, listen to podcasts. Seems like a perfect podcast game in a lot of ways. Um, so I wasn't really, like, turned off by it. I was just like, well, story wise this zelda thing probably isn't going to work out i don't think the story in, in breath of the wild is great as we both kind of agree in, in a lot of areas so koei tech mode having their take on it with a weird kind of time traveling thing going on there probably wasn't going to be that interesting in the first place but i do think that the writing and the story of three houses is really good and guess what koei tecmo actually made that game for the most part like barely any intelligence systems people worked on three houses which means that they are actually kind of well placed to have a storyline that is not like amazing but like at least you know up to the quality of three houses in some ways um and so far what i have to say is it's really delivering man like i i really have enjoyed what i've played i've probably put about three and a half hours into this demo um and this demo is beefy apparently someone on twitch played it for like seven hours and that was one path that was like because you get to choose again between edelgard and dimitri and claude the three houses that's one path seven hours of this demo and supposedly the other paths also do different things in terms of obviously all the classmates and characters you have are different um so it's it's going to be that case of you know each storyline is going to have its own distinct threads and, and battles and stuff going on through it which is crazy for like how beefy they have allowed people to to get into this game but it's also nice because just like what square enix have done with their demos you can carry over your save file to the final game so you know you could say nintendo have got me now because i'm like well I've, I've put all this time into this demo now might as well buy the game so i can continue playing it but um so here's the interesting thing right this from a story perspective basically feels like an alternate timeline it's like a what if story like instead of byleth being the character to come across the three lords the three kind of kids uh, who are going to take over all of these kingdoms instead this other character comes across them this character mercenary i think called shez shaz i don't it's a really bad name i think it's shez i'm pretty <laughs> sure and like you can Sheslong, yes. Uh, and you can choose between Sheslong male or Sheslong female. Um, just like Byleth, you can choose uh, your character and, and what they look like. But the nice thing is, this character's actually voice acted. They're actually a character, as opposed to Byleth, who was just like a silent protagonist. And I do think that it holds back three houses a little bit to have cutscenes where people are talking at you and you're just like mm, yes and then you just respond and you don't get that interaction right like especially in stuff like support conversations where you want to have that back and forth all the ones with byleth are basically just the other character talking a bunch you choosing a dialogue option and then them talking a bunch more and it's it feels like if you wanted to create this connection with like the student and the um the class uh, members it, it just rang a little hollow in terms of just not having that connection because you're a silent protagonist and now having shares be a voiced protagonist makes that stuff so much better right so like you have still the dialogue options but they voiced uh, their opinions and like you get a sense of actually who they are which is really interesting um and i think like elevates it and makes me hope that the next fire emblem game the main character will be voiced because they have done this before right where in awakening even though robin is a set protagonist that you can customize and you can create choose gender and stuff like that 
Robin actually has voiced dialogue, not voice dialogue, but Robin has actual dialogue. Robin is a character in that game. So is Corrin, actually, in Fire Emblem uh, Conquest and Fates and all, all those games, right? So it was weird that they went back to this kind of silent thing with Byleth, and I, I think that making that change makes a big, big difference. And the other weird thing is Byleth is the antagonist of this game. So you come up against Geralt's mercenaries and you actually fight Byleth at the start of the game and uh, they're known as the Ashen Demon. And it's weird because now in this game, Byleth also talks. So I'm like, wait a second, you now have the silent protagonist from this other game, but now you're actually giving them a voice and they start talking in cutscenes. Hmm. And it it's really weird, but I actually really like that they've made that decision. Um, it's cool. Uh, so the way the game is broken up is that you have obviously... Um, the muso style combat which is these big arenas that you've seen in all these other types of games which is you have a giant map with all these like strongholds and stuff and there are multiple characters on each map and you can basically direct them by giving them orders so you can say like okay dadu you go over there and it, it, it brings in the weapon triangle so like if you send him to a fortress where the commander has a sword he'll be weak against them because swords are better against axes whereas if you send him to a fortress where the commander is a lance user then he'll obviously do a lot better because axes have an advantage advantage over lances so there's a bit of that fire emblem kind of weapon triangle stuff coming in where you have to decide the people that you can control and bringing them onto the battlefield you know where are they you going to send them where are they going to go i still am a little confused of like giving them orders and like when they're finished with an order how do i get them to just automatically go on to the next thing it feels a little micromanagey to some degree um but you know i think they do have stuff in there where you can say okay auto battle or like go defensive or go offensive and stuff like that it's just sometimes there was a map that i did yesterday where all my characters were up on the top left of the screen and one of my characters was on the top right and the boss was on the top right so i'm fighting the boss with one of my characters just waiting as i watch the rest of my army slowly go across the map to come and join me so they help me out um thankfully i was able to beat the boss on my own so probably didn't even need to do that so maybe that speaks of like maybe i don't actually need to engage in the strategy at least early on in the game right um but it is bringing in other elements where like each character will level up so they'll increase their stats they'll have class changes the, it's probably the worst class name i've seen in the series but your main character starts out as a myrmidon and then they become a, a class called a flugel a flugel spelt like f-l-u-e-g-l i'm like what the fuck is this this is the worst named class i've seen in the series i don't understand uh why this is named this i tried to look it up and all i got was results for like trumpets and stuff like that so i don't know what the fuck did they just make up the word flugel i don't know it's it's a really weird class name and i don't think it gets anything across of like what that character is supposed to be but i guess it's just like an advanced myrmidon assassin type thing usually myrmidons advance into either an assassin or a swordmaster but now i'm a flugel so who the fuck knows anyway um there are other elements of uh fire emblem mechanics in there stuff like adjutants an adjutant was like a character who could be attached to your character i believe in three houses so it's almost like a pair up mechanic thing and in this game you can pair up a couple of characters together so that you can quickly switch between them so i paired up ingrid and uh sir what's the fuck said shez shez that's it fucking jesus christ his name um uh, i paired them up together so i could switch between them on the fly and then i can using the d-pad you can basically flick between where your characters are and they can all be at different parts of the map at once and you can just kind of flick between them um but yeah it's it's fun just like mashing away you do like super moves and things like that and you build up meters and do limit breaks and all these kind of crazy things going on and you know as much as 
it is just kind of mashing things there is strategy to like the harder fights because like the big bosses will come and you obviously can't take them out with like one combo so you have to be dodging out the way using your blocks and parries and things like that so you know there's a decent amount of that to it but the most important thing bally is this game actually runs pretty well and like you know it's not a 60 frames per second game no far far from it but you know what the trailers for age of calamity looked like like we remember watching the fucking giant beast section where you're walking along as the fucking um what do you call them the uh the things the beasts in breath of the wild the, the divine beasts right divine beasts yes and there were sections in that in uh, age of calamity where you were controlling them and like laser beaming stuff from their perspective and things like that and the frame rate on that was just trash garbage it was like 10 it was so bad and, and we really noticed when we played it like the resolution was lower it was like chuggy uh not good handheld this game looks way better than that. Like it is much sharper in terms of the handheld screen. Did that, then I think it's, it's just because on the screen. I, I guess like the art style of Three Houses. It also Koei Tecmo made Three Houses, so like they're using probably mm. a similar engine to what they use there. So they probably have a lot of optimization that they've done with it. And they did have like there were battalions which were like advanced wars like mini armies basically that attach to your characters in three houses and those were almost dynasty warriors style things where they would just like have a bunch of uh, soldiers that would just rush the enemy so they almost had a little bit of that stuff built in already and so i think that's partially responsible for why it runs so well and yeah it, it holds like a solid 30 like there have been like maybe a couple of moments where things get super busy and it drops but for the most part even in these big battles where things are popping off and abilities are happening and things are going crazy um it still holds a steady state uh, frame rate um and obviously things can change with the full release this is still just a demo but um it's pretty close to launch now it's only coming out in a couple of weeks i'm pretty sure this is like close to what the final build will be um which means that uh, i think it's going to be a, a solid one to get into you know i have said for years bali that i never want to play one of these games they don't interest me and every time they're like well, what about a Zelda one? I'm like, mm, no. What about a Fire Emblem one? I'm like, oh. Just know you are fueling the fire when you buy this. And look, and then they said Persona. And I actually, I've had Persona Strikers, Persona 5 Strikers on my list, on my wish list on Steam for ages and on Switch. And like, I'm, I've gotten so close to hitting the buy button on that one. But it might be, it might be this one that does me. If it isn't Bally, this is the thing that's going to happen. And I know it's going to happen. Xenoblade Warriors is going to happen. I, it, and you know it. Yes. I know it. Yeah. It's blatant. It will. One day there will be Xenoblade Warriors. And I know that they're going to put some fucking crucial story thing in there. <laughs> and I know that I'm going to have to play it. And I'm, I'm going to be sucking in. That will 100%. I will buy in and play a Xenoblade Warriors. But until that day happens i might play three hopes i might do i'm really enjoying it i think it's the the mix of like having the fun kind of run around smashing people but also i really like these characters and i also chose a different house this time because i've played through all of edelgard's route in um three houses and i've done like half of claude so i've done uh, most of golden deer like 50 percent of the way through and i've not really touched dimitri i didn't do blue lions so i chose blue lions as my house for this game and it's actually really nice to have this set of characters who i know but i don't really know because i didn't get that like long-term interaction with them from a full playthrough in three houses so yeah it's, it's kind of giving you additional options there of like uh also the ashen wolves who are a a set of characters from the dlc are going to be playable in this game um it's it's really cool uh so as a alternate universe kind of story thing um all the cutscenes are great as well like the voice actors are all back like fully voiced um really well done stuff and i think there's support conversation stuff in here because when you talk to characters like you raise your relationship with them but i haven't actually got to any of the support conversations yet i'm sure they're coming and i'm sure they'll be great as well because that was the best part of three houses honestly all those character interactions the best in the fire emblem series so 
yeah i am shocked how much i like this i've i will probably put more time into the demo and uh potentially we'll pick up the final game so uh mm-hmm. there you go miracles can happen bally on this I'm show shocked. um yeah so so yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what the reviews are like for that uh and, uh, and see what people say i think it's 24th of june so it's yeah. a couple of weeks time probably by the time this show goes out it'll only be a week away so uh yeah if you are interested i i mean even if you're not interested and you're a fire emblem fan i would say just check out the demo because it's it's a really beefy demo in its own right like i probably will spend more time on this demo than you did playing to the moon right <laughs> which is a bit ridiculous and sometimes that happens where mm. like demos are actually longer than full games like i probably spent more time on the triangle strategy demo than i did on like i don't know um a, a puzzle game that i played you know that that probably only took me two hours right and it's just the way video games are sometimes some things are longer some things are shorter but um in any case uh that i think is going to do us for the first part of today's show we will be back after the break though to tackle some of your emails don't go anywhere we'll see you in a bit Hello everyone and welcome back to the second segment of today's show. It's time for your emails. The well's getting a little bit dry. It's not dry dry, but it's a little bit dry, I might say. So, if you would like to send an email to the show, please email thisnintendolife at gmail.com. That is thisnintendolife at gmail.com. You can also post a comment in our Discord server. We have a channel dedicated to emails where you can leave all your posts, your comments, your thoughts, your feelings, and we'll read them out on the show. Mm-hmm. our first email this week is from miranda or Mirandoom on discord uh, from north carolina says hi bally and mbz i hope you guys are doing well with it being e3 summer games season i was wondering if you had any favorite e3 presentations nintendo directs or indie world showcases a couple of standouts for me would be the big smash ultimate trailer from e3 2018 it aired on my birthday so it was a real treat to watch the presentation live that day the Indie World Showcase from August 2020 was also very exciting. It opened with a, a badass animated trailer for Hades and also featured an animated trailer for Spiritfarer. Both were so beautiful and well done. Thanks for all that you do. TNL and the community have really helped me keep sane through that, throughout the pandemic. Cheers, Miranda. Awesome. Uh, yeah, it is, it's the time to kind of look back and be a bit nostalgic about 
the past events uh, with this year not being as kind of uh, the banger uh, that people maybe wanted it to be in terms of uh, presentations and stuff like that. But uh, it's just all a bit different, right, with Keeley and doing his own thing and spreading out. And supposedly at the end of Summer Games Fest, he was like, well, we're going to do an in-person event next year. So maybe we'll get back to those uh, E3 vibes of people going to the show. Uh, Yeah, yeah. It's all come um, full circle. (laughs) I think so, yeah. Maybe he's the one who's going to just buy the LA Convention Center with all that money he's made from the Game Awards (laughs) and... uh, you know uh, put on a big show there so so who knows um but yeah there are a lot of uh, these presentations throughout the years that have been very memorable to me um actually was re-watching some because minmax are doing a thing that we used to do which we called e3 rewind where we rewatched old uh, press conferences where they have been going back and watching old uh, conferences from mm. different years and i think one of them they watched was one of the worst nintendo e3s of all time which was i believe 2008 where you had Cammy Cammy Dunaway who is the new he's she's like this is the mom's person she's like the mainstream big like she's Soccer a mom moms. she loves Wii Sports so now she's gonna go out there and talk to the moms but it was E3 and so like none of the moms were watching E3 so it didn't really work uh, you had Ravi Drums doing his fucking uh, you know Wii music thing then oh, Miyamoto comes God. on stage the Wii music performance is just awful it's so bad um, and the only only new game they have is like animal crossing let's go to the city um and is that yeah. also where they demo skyward sword and it goes pear-shaped no 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 that's that's, that's later. later that's later okay. on um so yeah this 2008 one which i rewatched with them was uh yeah it's uh it's a fun thing to look back on we, we commentated on that one as well i believe i think we might have done yeah, yeah. well there are, there are a few ones that we've done over the years but um it was still in the era where reggie would come on stage and be like here are some bar graphs uh and let's <laughs> look sony at sony and xbox <laughs> suck yeah here's sony why. and xbox they're these tiny little bits in this pie chart nintendo it's like 90 percent of this pie chart uh that's the kind of shit they were doing so wh- why do you think there was a time where part of the presentation was about slagging off the competitors to now not even acknowledging competitors exist like what what changed yeah well i think during the gamecube era especially when reggie came on board they were about being like we're edgy nintendo now right we don't give a fuck we're gonna say we're better than playstation we're mario in sonic's clothes exactly yeah it was a little bit of that and i think eventually they just got to this point where they're like no we're different and we're not really competing with these guys anymore so there's no point in comparing ourselves and we should also just like i don't know just not do that because it's maybe in a bit bad taste potentially if they'd been talking all that smack talk and then the wii u comes out you know it's not a fun place to be in no totally um so yeah it, it, it it is a weird change that eventually happened but also like the reason why they had to do all that stuff back then is because back then we still call them press conferences now but what a press conference really is is it's for the press right so it's like it's it was also like for the retailers right e3 was originally built as a show where press could come and write about the games but also retailers could go there and get informed about what was coming out for this for the holiday season so that they could stock their inventory with the games that they thought were going to be selling the best mm. right so as a result it was a trade show right and that was the real main thing and eventually they just started streaming these press conferences yeah. and over the years video, they just... cha- video opened it up to the public ultimately before exactly it obviously became open to the public right and once that happened 
happened, it became like, well, this is a consumer-facing thing mm. now, and so we can't just be talking about numbers and spreadsheets because they're interested in getting excited about the new games coming out. So this shift happens, I want to say, probably after that year, around 2009 and 2010, because I remember 2010 as a pretty damn good year for Nintendo. It's probably one of my favorite presentations from them at E3, which is kirby's epic yarn gets shown tropical freeze gets shown you get the first trailer for other m you have golden sun coming back on ds like really big bangers like lots of amazing stuff happening at that um press conference actually maybe it was 2009 but um other m definitely got a trailer there it could have been 2010 because actually uh that's when other m came out so other m would have been revealed in 2009 but then it got another follow-up trailer the year after so it was like all these big franchises that were coming back like this amazing looking kirby game with a new art style donkey kong returning you know with his wii game um and then you know having golden sun come back from the gba days like lots of core games core franchises being focused on which when you compare it to a couple of years back when they had done all the wii fit stuff and wii sports resort and all these things it felt like the end of days for the wii when nintendo were kind of trying to pander back to the um the hardcore audience again and it just uh you know didn't work out for them because obviously people who were interested in the wii um had kind of stopped buying games for it and were only playing wii sports on it and stuff like that and the hardcore audience was very very small Uh, i think that might also have been the year they showed off skyward sword as well and did like a bit of early skyward sword reveals and stuff like that so Mm. yeah 2010 stands out to me as a really good year uh, in terms of nintendo stuff um in terms of modern era there's a lot of good stuff that happens like around the wii u era weirdly right like there's yeah i I was gonna say the thing it was 2014 because 2015 i think was the the star fox one which was a great presentation because they were they had the puppets and that was amazing but they basically only showed off star fox zero and there was very little else yeah so do you want to talk about 2014 because that was yeah the year before that they revealed for the first time both splatoon and mario maker which are arguably two of the most innovative like new franchises i guess mario maker is not a new franchise but you know what i mean like new ideas that nintendo done like in the same presentation and i think that was on top of having more breath of the wild info i want to say do you remember this um definitely no it's the breath of the wild reveal wasn't it because it was um anuma they, standing they in did. front of the green field yes it was and that it ended with 2015 right was the the number or um i think it was because it was they did it in 2014 and then they said it was coming 2015 maybe um mm. I, I can't remember if they did actually put a date on that but yeah it was anuma in front of blank and then he snaps his fingers and all of a sudden there's this massive field and link standing in the middle of it and you get that final thing where he's being chased by the guardian yeah. jumps off of opponent and pulls back the string on the guardian arrow and we're just like oh my this is i mean i mean it was a cgi cut scene right yes, but it was yeah. still like setting the scene for what that game was going for with those guardians and we were both just like what the this is ridiculous um plus the hype of mario maker and splatoon i think splatoon especially was just so refreshing it's like right nintendo are doing online multiplayer shooter what is this world this is insane but also at the same time that ink concept just made sense for nintendo especially at the time it was like right this you know like pre-fortnite era right like this this just made sense for like what nintendo wanted to do to appeal to like a mass audience with shooting so really cool yeah that that year had so many good things um and those were all the standouts but like when you have new ideas alongside like 
new zelda stuff it's it's always going to be mm. a a good time so yeah that definitely stands out and to me as one of the best 2015 was duff in terms of announcements the puppets were obviously very cool but 2016 was actually the, the year i did the biggest u-turn where when they announced that breath of the wild was going to be the only game at e3 2016 i was so bummed out because like we knew the switch was coming i th- don't think it had an official date at that point but we were assuming it was likely going to be uh well it was, it was revealed like autumn 2016 right yeah i think so I, and I then remember. it was until january 2017 that we that was the japanese presentation so 2016 right, yeah. we knew the switch was imminent we didn't know what it was and there was rumors we didn't of, know its name it was just still nx at it was still nx and there was rumors of like this console handheld hybrid uh but they were still showing off breath of the wild and that was their focus and i was so gutted about the fact we were going to just just going to see one game but that might be one of the most gripped i've been by e3 and watching all the trailers watching everyone play through like that um opening um plateau playthrough like everyone put out stuck up their videos of like this is the plateau this is how it works is like and those treehouse presentations like that was some of the most gripped i've been by like any gameplay for a nintendo game ever and i came away from that e3 just incredibly positive obviously about that game but i didn't feel like oh nintendo didn't talk about anything else therefore i've missed out on something it just felt very right for what they wanted the focus to be and i i would like them to do something like that like that again they don't maybe not this year but i don't know i just think if they are really proud of a game that's coming out and they want it to be the focus. I have nothing against them actually focusing on that game and nothing else. As long as they have enough to show, right? Because I think... As long as they have enough to show. The plateau was much more vast than I think we would have ever predicted. Exactly. Like, I remember just being absolutely hooked on those treehouse streams. Oh, like, God, I yeah. didn't move from my seat for that entire, like, evening. I think it ended up meaning that we recorded later than we wanted to for our reaction podcast. But it was just, like, there was so much good stuff in there. Like, just figuring out the physics and the chemical engine and all that stuff and showing all the weird ways you could solve puzzles and the breadth of the exploration, the climbing systems, the swimming, all of it. It was, like, hunting mechanics. Like, they had individual video breakout sections for like all the different aspects of this game and because there was so much to talk about such a depth of mechanics you were hooked the whole time through it's like okay now we're gonna go do a shrine now we're gonna go into a cold area okay let's figure out what we do here if he's cold he needs to eat this food or put some fire on it like it was so gripping in a way that i don't remember any treehouse segments like grabbing me like that before like it really really got me um in, in a way that like when i played breath of the wild for the first time not that i was underwhelmed by the plateau area but like i had seen so much of it that like for me the real joy of breath of the wild started when i left the plateau because mm. i'd already kind of like absorbed so much knowledge about that area before even you know playing the game um so maybe that's a little bit of a drawback but not only was it like nintendo like mechanically this was reinventing zelda and that was exciting it felt like there was a level of polish from a AAA perspective that Nintendo had stepped up between any other game and Breath of the Wild. And that was very yeah. clear through even this E3 demo at 2016. Like, it, it was like, wow, if Nintendo just got, like, some cash injection from somewhere else or some, like, they've just started some new, like, obviously it's a new engine, but, like, yeah, it felt like such a cut above anything else they'd done before, both from mechanical and presentation and everything, production, that just felt very much like wow the switch is going to be a genuine next 
next generation console. And it was for a while. It maybe doesn't feel like that anymore now, five years down the line. But certainly when it came out, it felt like a very premium product. And I think Breath of the Wild and the way they demonstrated it in 2016 demonstrated that. Yeah, definitely. Um, it was uh, it was it was a banger. Um, and uh, I. I don't know what they're going to do with this new game because they could do the same thing uh, and I would not be against it. I think that would be good. Uh, one that stands out for me is, so this was November of 2015. So 2015 uh, and 2014 and 2016. I think all these middle years of Wii U, weirdly, even though the company was doing bad, like they had some fucking great presentations. This is the presentation that ends with Cloud and Smash, which I think is one of my favorite reveals of any Nintendo thing. Like, it was absolutely wild. But also, this presentation had Twilight Princess HD at the top. Um, it had stuff like Steam World Heist getting announced, um, stuff like Fire Emblem Fates. Uh, you had Dragon Quest Seven and Dragon Quest Eight in here. Um, they also announced Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow for Virtual Console, which was a really big deal back then. Um, bunch of stuff like the Mega Man Legacy Collection. There was more stuff on Xenoblade x bally this is the show they announced nintendo badge arcade one of the best things uh, about the nintendo <laughs> 3ds so this one i think even though it had like some weird stuff like uh talking about i don't know fucking mario tennis ultra smash which was a nightmare um i think the strength of like all the 3ds things in here of being like oh shit yeah they're, they're porting the dragon quest 7 and 8 from japan they bring them over and xenoblade x kept looking amazing and and then finishing with cloud was just a really really cool thing so um that one really calls to me i remember going and watching this was before game trailers shut down it was one of the last directs before they changed to easy allies um and i remember watching their reactions to this stream and it was like it was so much fun um because it was just off the wall so that was a really good one as well um and yeah there have been so many over the years it's hard to like pin that down it's very hard like, to pass, pass them out in like your mind especially like the yeah. indie worlds and um it, it goes without saying that like the amount Indie World is one of the most positive changes for Nintendo, I think, in the last hundred percent five yeah. six years, and especially with Switch, that is still as much as we get great indies on other systems, the Switch is still like it feels like it's still leading the way in terms of like day one day and date releases on most of the big indies. And like Xbox have kind of clawed that back a little bit, but not as much as you would have expected. Yeah, totally. Um, they've they've done a really uh, good job with that stuff, and uh, I uh, we continue to like uh, cross our fingers for for amazing stuff from indies that we've heard of. I think probably the best indie world or the one that sticks out to me the most is the first one we got after the Switch had come out, where they announced stuff like Golf Story, mm. and they said that Hollow Knight was coming yes. to Switch. Oh my and, god! Yeah. Like there were so many big announcements of indies that either were new and looked really cool, or were stuff that had been on other platforms and were coming to switch for the first time and um yeah i remember that one being really like the the game changer of like oh man this system really is very focused on these smaller games and this is where they're going to thrive and it kind of set the tone going forward for what at this point is the best place to play indie games you know um which is which is really really cool so yeah lots of great memories lots of good stuff um I don't know if there's any others i mean you gotta call out 2004 that's the one where reggie starts his journey you know that's where he comes out on stage and and says his famous lines and then you finish it with the twilight princess trailer one of my favorite trailers ever like Isn't it 2005 it, it's either 04 or 05 and i can't yeah. remember which it is um but uh, but it's yeah the it, lord of the rings twilight princess trailer is just with the conan the barbarian soundtrack yes. yeah it's just <laughs> 
that trailer and and obviously we, we weren't weren't there and got the the feel of like the room in the same way but like but... magazines i remember reading about it right like that's yes. what, how we ingested it back then yeah um, and and yeah we were already pretty big on zelda by that point and it was it hit it hit hard that was that was big um yeah i would even argue 2016 with all the breath of the wild stuff was bigger which i never thought i'd ever say about a zelda yeah zelda game after that t- trailer for twilight princess I think obviously the um the presentation the January presentation which we uh, uh thought was very bad had the best trailer the Breath of the Wild actual amazing that, trailer. Yeah, that was yeah as negative as we were on that overall thing the fact that that trailer was in there um yeah that was just the most insane trailer. Our hype levels were crazy for the Switch coming out with that game it was just ridiculous. For sure yeah but um I think probably the one of my other favorite ones is just panic era Nintendo in 2013 when they're like shit the wii u is bombing what do we do what do we do and they have a direct that announces fire emblem cross shimagami tensei it announces xenoblade x it announces link between worlds like that was a crazy good direct but also it basically announced everything in their slate for the next three years was like in, in february it was a february one it was basically <laughs> like shit the system isn't selling what do we do what do we do and they just announced so many bangers like it was such a then such a great 3d one. world came out in this that was revealed in like summer i think and came out november yeah well th- remember with 3d world there was an e3 so this was the first year they did a direct for e3 was 3d world and because they had done the previous year ended with nintendo world fireworks right that was one of the worst ones where they're doing zombie U with reggie on the gamepad and his face turns into a zombie they're announcing stuff like assassin's creed and batman oh, for, for um, oh, wii u oh, yeah. and um and they end with nintendo land fireworks and that was the last live e3 presentation nintendo ever did 2013 is where they have 3d world but the e3 trailer is really bad it's super boring it just yeah. shows like the grassland this is and stuff. after galaxy 2 which yes. is just like jaw-droppingly incredible and then and after 3d land back. on 3ds which made it feel so similar and just like they weren't really they were kind of phoning yeah. it in for the big console and it wasn't i think until maybe september of that year when they have another 3d world trailer that's just like banging it just yeah. knocks out the park has so much variety and color and all this different stuff um and yeah that was a big turnaround for me because i remember and the, and the game came out and it was fantastic like i think yes. it's still a very good game so like it, it, it they did their job and it, a bit like the odyssey the two odyssey trailers where you had that initial odyssey reveal but then you just had the most bananas wild crazy shit <laughs> um reveal of the captures and like that was saved for later which was just awesome couple more for me real quick uh so i think that one of my favorite things at e3 that wasn't technically their presentation was the mario maker tournament thing we were you were around at my house we watched this this together um and i think both of us when mario maker got revealed in the direct we were like okay that's cool probably not as much for us because we're not that into 2d mario or whatever and it was the it was that tournament where they showcased the breadth and the depth of stuff you can do with Mario Maker to create levels that were unlike anything you'd ever seen in a Mario game that really sold me. Where they had the speedrunners play it, and there was a contest, and all these levels that the Treehouse people had made at Nintendo of America. It was absolutely incredible. It was so, so good. And definitely one of my best memories of watching E3 stuff was you and me just being instantly turned around on that game. It was just yeah. such a uh, an amazing thing. Um, and then I think last year's Nintendo presentation during E3 was fantastic. Obviously, it gave us Advance Wars and Metroid Dread. But like, 
I think those are things we've been waiting for for such a long time. <laughs> and to get both of them in one was just like, oh, chef's kiss. It was beautiful. It was so, so good. Um, and they had a bunch of other stuff last year as well that was fantastic. They've been, Bayonetta 3 came back, right? Like, yeah. it was it was so, so good. We had such a great amount of stuff from that. And uh, that's definitely up there now for me. 2021 is actually one of the best ones they've done. It was so great as well because it was after such a quiet year of 2020. Um, yes, exactly. Felt like, wow metroid dread was just yeah and that game came out and was incredible and we absolutely loved it so yeah it's one of the best games on switch you know it absolutely is and um you know that's um that that's what you want to see you want to see uh things come back that have not been around for a long time and and really knock you off your feet and uh yeah that certainly did it did the job which is uh fantastic stuff and uh yeah thank you thank you thank you for your email miranda that's it's nice to nice to reminisce about e3 absolutely naval days Um, as always our next email is from friend of the show, Matt Lorgan, says, Hey, MBZ and Bally, firstly, want to say thank you always for the pod. Listening to TNL and Nintendo Life frequently make even the most boring of chores around the house enjoyable. Uh, now, as people who have forever been obsessed with video games and following games media, I wanted to ask, are there any games that you never got around to playing, but that you still frequently think about because you followed the media coverage around them for so long? As a monthly subscriber to the official Nintendo magazine back in the day, there's so many games on the Wii and DS that live rent-free in my head to this day, even though I couldn't afford to pick them up. For me, it's titles like Deadly Creatures, Mushroom Men, The Spore Wars, and Cursed Mountain on the Wii or Contact, uh, Dementium, The Ward, and Scourge Hive on the DS. Uh, I've even started to pick up a few of them online and in Kex to finally add to my collection. Do you guys have any games that have stuck in your brain, even if you've never managed to get around to playing them, or am I just weird? Thanks, and keep up the great work as always, Matt. Thanks, Matt. Uh, Definitely something that you are not alone in. Uh, I have definitely, over the years, and I think a lot of this comes back to reading those old magazines. Uh, We obviously grew up with stuff like Official Nintendo Magazine. In fact, we read NOM back before it was official, uh, O&M. It it was Nintendo official, which I don't know why that was different um, and what the change was there um, and and stuff like that. But uh, we definitely i'm sure had uh, a lot of things that we remember from especially with the last question right i think i followed a lot of e3 stuff through those magazines before they were all live streamed um but mainly it was focused on uh, what games were coming out um and there were quite a few that i remember reading about back in the day uh bali do you have one that sticks out to you the most uh, of, of those types of games i was gonna say do you remember gbx no, was what the, was that? It was a Game Boy Advance. Well, I guess it was Game Boy and then Game Boy Advance. And I guess GBX meant they could cover both. Oh, the schemes. magazine. Yeah, yeah the magazine. Yeah. Um, and I remember them covering a ton of like the first person shooters that were on GBA. So yes. these, the ones I remember the most are Doom and uh-huh. X versus Sever. X versus Sever, man. Versus I actually Sever. downloaded that the other day on my Ambonix. I want to play it because I remember, <laughs> I think maybe it was Charlie who had it. Someone at yes. school had yeah. X versus Sever. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. Because uh, I'd never seen, I don't think I'd really interacted with first person shooters that much at that age, right? At that yeah. point in time. So, yeah. yeah. 
because you know you two buttons on the d-pad is the ideal button layout for first oh yes <laughs> everyone know. loves it well doesn't that's the it? thing right like original doom doesn't require a second stick or a mouse like you use There's only one level you can shoot at exactly yeah no matter where the enemy is even if they're above you as long as you're in line with them you still hit them right it's more or less what golden the original golden iron n64 does to my memory although you can shift up and down using the c stick when you're stationary it's hard yeah, to do both I, at the same I time was, i was pretty sure that you did have to like be lined up with parts of their body in order to shoot them because like parts of their body reacted differently when you shot them with different parts of their body i think in um, goldeneye yeah in original n64 sure we'll find but... out soon because it's supposedly rumored to yeah yeah, yeah yeah well that'll be interesting um, the other one that was just all over the place and i think it launched on gamecube and gba it was Spy Hunter. Like, that oh, was just, right. That yeah. was just a, like this driving James Bond game that looked really cool. Got these semi-decent reviews. Um, and I never got around to, but I was like, that game looks interesting. I want to give that a go because I was really into driving at the time. And there weren't a ton of driving games on GameCube. And that was one that I was like, hmm, that, that could be cool. But Did Ali T own that at some point? Was it a PS2 game? I feel like uh, we played something I, adjacent I to that. I don't know if he bought it, yeah. It Something may have like been that. at someone else's house because I I have a vague memory of playing Spy Hunter at some point in time. Mm. Um, definitely, it was more like open worldy, right? Uh, I think it was quite level based actually, but okay. I could be wrong. Um, Maybe back in the day we thought it was so big that it was, right. <laughs> but it wasn't actually. Yeah, but. but um the the gba launch is something that sticks in my mind especially with this magazine gbx and games like kuru kuru kururin yeah um, that i never got around to and that's what really excites me about this rumored like gba games coming to switch online is that like there's a lot of great gba games especially near the launch of gba that i just never got around to and like and there's also like the mr driller games i know that one of those came to switch i think it's like a separate game obviously but like Uh there's just a ton of like game boy advance games in particular that because i only played like crazy racers and f-zero maximum velocity and like super mario land 2 those are like my only games around launch i say only games apparently i picked up three games at launch so that is quite a lot to be fair. yeah but, you know um, going for it yeah but that was kind of like my sphere of knowledge of gba games and there was just a ton of others around launch especially that i just didn't get into yeah totally there's obviously the big ones as well i remember reading a bunch about minish cap and obviously i never owned it um and i did did you own the actual original gba version of minish cap 100 percent. yeah me and ali t were like obsessed with the hype to that game and then when it eventually came out i beat like two three dungeons and then stopped because that's just what i did with games. (laughs) and then we didn't finish it until the ambassador program right right um which is a great way to play it but yeah i remember still the most recent original 2d zelda which is wild still oh my god um but i do i really distinctly remember the spread in nom the the kind of multi-page spread that they had for minish cap where there was the artwork of him with the claws the digging claws Mm. and i remember the spread of that like going across two pages like it looked so pretty uh it was like one of the best looking gba games and i was like "Ooh, like this gives me like good feelings i really want to check this out and never ended up doing it right like i didn't get into zelda until about twilight princess time so took me a while i was always interested in zelda stuff i just never got into it until then me and lt got in kind of in and around wind waker well i bought wind waker like a year or two after it came out and got massively obsessed by it as well as ali t and so we were 
But we managed to get you on the Twilight Princess hype train. Yeah, so of course. We, we got yeah. there in the end. And then, you know, Phantom Hourglass came out. And all three of us, I remember playing Phantom Hourglass at launch, and that was a great time. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we were we were all in on Zelda from that point. But before that, I was, like, looking at Minish Cap from afar, being like, ooh, that looks cool. Maybe I'll play that one day. Um, and I did play it one day, but uh, it took a, a long, long time to get there. Same with stuff like Golden Sun, which I still haven't played, you know? Still have not played yeah. it. Yeah, that's another one rumored for that Switch Online thing, which yes. would be a great place to play it if if it comes totally uh in terms of weirder deeper stuff for me uh there's a game um that i remember very distinctly when my when i first got my gamecube i also got uh, a subscription actually no i think i just got one issue of nintendo official magazine i didn't get the subscription until later on but i remember that christmas of what must have been 2002 christmas is when i got a gamecube and one of the things i got was a magazine of the nintendo official magazine and it comes with a demo disc and stuff but i remember reading about Star Fox adventures and all these other games and uh, one of the things on the dvd it came with a dvd as well of like here is a, a look at sneak peek at some upcoming games one of the games was a licensed game a tie-in to a movie that had just come out and that movie was reign of fire uh this is a, a game i i often talk about of like it's this white whale of uh i remember reading about it and watching video of it and i did buy it like two years ago i was in a kex in sheffield where my sister was at university and we were there for her graduation and i went into this kex and i just see it sitting there three pound fifty or something rain of fire but i remember following that game so closely through did that you magazine not pick it up i did yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, i did, bought it did. yeah yeah, yeah. so I, I bought it for three pound fifty because i'm like i've got to have this um but i yeah i remember following that because i watched i remember me and my dad renting it from blockbuster the dvd like probably one of the last dvds that we ever rented was reign of fire and um yeah watching that thing and being like this is cool drag basically if you don't know it's about dragons in a kind of post-apocalypse where there's like a military faction who are trying to fend them off and shoot them down from the sky but um but yeah i was just obsessed with how fucking cool the dragons looked and the cg on them and they were just like burning the shit out of everything so I, i see this game and i see you can control a dragon and you can like blast fire from your mouth and like destroy everything i'm like this is the coolest shit i have ever seen like i have to play this game and of course i don't get it and then i don't play it for years and years and eventually i pick up this copy in kex and i'm like okay uh, i remember being back in edinburgh and i was like i'm just gonna pop in rain of fire on my gamecube let's go and let me tell you i've not more, been more disappointed in a game <laughs> in my entire life uh this shit starts out and you are some military dude just running around on the ground like tiny little guy the controls are awful the frame rate is absolute garbage um you can get in like a little vehicle and run around and start shooting and you're shooting like these kind of like little dragon guys so they're not the impressive big one and i tried playing it for like a good hour and a half i think it made me motion sick because how bad the frame rate was and i didn't get to the part to where you played as a dragon because it was too hard it was just like it was so fucking brutal i was like this is bullshit difficulty and like i can't get past this section i just it wasn't fun in any way and i never got to play as the dragon i still own the game it's in edinburgh maybe one day i will like push through i'll find a cheat code or something that lets me go to that level whereas i'll play the dragon we're better we're better gamers now we, we know what we're doing we're yeah i mean i this was like th- 
two three years ago i tried playing this ballet so so it was it's really it was really hard uh like i just it's just it's one of those things right when you're a kid you're like oh this game's hard well i'm just must be bad no reign of fire is a terribly designed game with like awful balancing and like everything like that so um yeah i tried to get as far as i could with it and see the cutscenes. there i think there's cutscenes from the movie uh inside of the the game as well which is a fun thing but yeah one day bali i will play as that dragon from reign of fire and rain fire over everyone and it, it will be the experience i imagined as a 12 year old i guarantee it it must be when you said um, dragon like flying over things i thought of that like was it a ps3 launch game oh lair a- yeah lair with the yeah. six axis and i remember the footage of the dragon where you can like walk around on the ground as a dragon and then take off and right scorch people from the sky yeah man i would have been super into lair if i'd known about that back then uh but i didn't so <laughs> i guess a rain of fire was my uh hill i was willing to die on and still am i guess apparently um another one that really sticks out to me from magazines of like the art style really popping was alien hominid alien hominid was a big one for me where like obviously those guys went on to make castle crashes and did a huge numbers with that game and have done super well afterwards but alien hominid to me is really interesting because it's almost like the first example of an indie game for me where it's this kind of 2d side-scrolling like animated thing that didn't look like anything else that was coming out on gamecube at the time and had almost like a flash cartoon vibe to it like i was big into Newgrounds back in the day so this instantly spoke to the part of me that was watching legendary frog cartoons and like all of these other people doing stuff on Newgrounds. um alien hominid was instantly like this is my jam and i think i think it might have been the folks who worked on it did have something to do with Newgrounds, or at least they were involved in making alien hominid around new grounds it might have been like a mini sort of adventure thing that they made as like a flash game back in the day and i can't remember the details on it but i uh i was so obsessed with reading about this thing and and again it was another one of those that had like a multi-page spread in the magazine and i just never got it i never got around to getting alien hominid and still to this day i've still not played it so it's still on my bucket list of one day i want to go back and play alien hominid because that game looked so cool back then um, and i love the art style of it and it just seemed like a really really interesting thing but alas i never got to play it because you know could only ask your parents for so many games back in the day and you had to make hard choices so uh never got there um any others for you bally okay here's one that i ended up picking up later but i believe launched with the gamecube uh, and that is Cell Damage. Do you remember this game? I don't. Is it a racing game? So Cell Damage is a kart battle game. Um, and if you look up footage, you'll remember it immediately. I think it was cross-platform as well. Right. Uh, apparently it was made by EA. And you basically play as like these cars and then they've got characters in them. And they just get out the most ridiculously oversized like cartoon style mallets. Oh, I do remember rocket seeing Rocket launchers yeah. and all sorts. And it's called cell damage like obviously a reference to like brain cell damage but it's also a very it's a cell shaded game so it's yeah like yeah double meaning in there and i remember picking up this must have been like second hand years later after gamecube launch and yeah that game's crap like it was oh just, no it was really bad or at least I, I really didn't like it and maybe i needed to try it in like a multiplayer setting or whatever but uh yeah sell man i did not know you own that at all that's crazy yeah i i don't own it anymore i think because i got rid of like a lot of gamecube games unfortunately i I regret doing this but um like just giving them away to charity or whatever but um yeah so well 
yeah that's that's cool um probably some bigger ones for me would be stuff like path of radiance which obviously i was a big fire emblem fan for the gba stuff and so i followed it but i just never ended up picking it up and i don't remember why but i just never did um and animal crossing the original animal crossing on gamecube another one where i was obsessed reading about that game in magazines and then just never owned it and i think part of it was like the release for animal crossing in europe was so weird like this game came out in japan i think three years before europe because it came out in japan then like a year later it came to america and then australia and europe were literally waiting two two and a half years for animal crossing to come out it was it was like the worst of that period which was europe always waiting to get games late magnified to a thousand and like this game had been out forever and ever i'd heard people talk about it and and then reading about it in the magazine and just seeing it there was um what was his name mike mike something in in nintendo official magazine but i remember mike and mike's girlfriend was playing animal crossing and she had had put like a diary of what she had been doing in animal crossing and they wrote that up in the magazine and i remember this so strongly of her you know daily chores and activities she was doing in animal crossing this like diary thing was a feature Mm. and it was it was this really cool thing of like man i love this idea of this little town where these animals and you can get like old games and you can play those old games on your gamecube but also like decorating and talking and like doing all these fishing activities like for me at that age it was like the perfect chill kind of like experience that i wanted to get into and it didn't happen until the ds when we both got wild world and that's where we really got into animal crossing but do you remember following the gamecube version of animal crossing because it was it really like hit me back then of like i want to play this so bad and i never got the chance to yeah i remember it a little bit in magazines and thinking this looks really unusual and weird and i think i didn't really have like strong gaming tastes back then like i was i i didn't know what i liked and in reality i'd played very few games in comparison to obviously like now so i think i was open to the idea but it just we never got around to it yeah yeah for sure um for me like i have just really strong memories of just wanting to play animal crossing real bad and i think it's probably part of the reason why we both got wild world it's probably because i was chatting to you about animal crossing and be like wow this is gonna be so good this is gonna be the best game animal crossing I'm, there's a gamecube game we had such a good time with wild world like yeah wow. and so and so we both got it and then that was off to the races man oh my god that game was our yeah. life for so so yeah. long yeah um, so absolutely loved it but yeah still have never played the original animal crossing i've still never played it um so maybe one day here's a kind of weird game that was launched with the gamecube that i remember seeing a ton of but never played was universal studios theme parks adventure (laughs) by by chemco apparently and it had it it has rides in that game that are now i've been like decommissioned now at universal studios which is interesting but yeah just like and it wasn't even like a park building game it was just like experience universal studios but in a game kind of game it's very strange yeah they kind of do stuff like disney stuff like that now don't they there's a thing on game pass that was like the disney theme park thing that you could go around and and walk around yeah i mean that you are actually like a third person character running around that theme park Um, yeah also disney's got a lot more like um i think it resonates a lot more being able to walk around the magic kingdom than universal studios but that's just yeah definitely um couple of other ones for me of just like cool looking games that i just never got around to was killer seven uh on gamecube like this the style of that game again another cell shaded game but like extreme style but i think at that age i was a little too scared to play a big shooty first person shooter with guns and blood and stuff so i thought it was extremely cool in concept but i think as a whatever 10 year old reading about it i was like no i don't actually want to play that because i'll be scared and run to my mom um and same with mad 
World, Mad World um, on Wii, which was this very stylized black and white like action game um, that I always looked at and was like, man, that has a great style, but again, probably going to be scared and run run to my mum because it'll it'll be too brutal for me. Um, my my little you know Pokemon loving self, I couldn't handle those uh, scary games back then. Even though they weren't really scary, they were just like games in which you hit people or shot people, which I'd never done and just didn't want to do back then. So uh, they're a little uh, outside of my wheelhouse. Um, but yeah, Killer Seven and Mad World are both like kind of character actiony type games in some senses that uh, I remember uh, reading a lot about and then never really going after so yeah that's pretty much it for me um so i i think that we covered a, a good amount there Bally. Mm. um lots of lots of games that uh and i'm sure there's a bunch more like in my brain that uh, will come out at some point we just need to have like a good look through our old magazines and have a, have a that's you know what i i have all of my official nintendo magazines and all that stuff in my attic back in edinburgh and i would love to just get that out one day and just peruse through and just go down memory lane to just remember all the things that i was obsessing over the things that we were like really excited for mm. um stuff like we i remember seeing the original version of the ds right before they changed it to the fat yeah. model that eventually came out there's that whole mario kart demo where they're all on stage and they're playing the old version of the ds exactly yeah and uh and i remember looking at that old version and then comparing it to the new one and being like i prefer the prototype model like <laughs> yeah. i was so much more in on the prototype version it's got like a more of a, a toy look to it yeah it had more nice. rounded like kind of fun look to it whereas the fat one just wasn't as i don't know enticing generally um and obviously they remedied that by putting the ds light out which was way better than either of those but um i was always a little bummed that the prototype version of the ds wasn't actually the first release of it because i loved the look of that thing like watching or looking at the screenshots of mario it was called mario 64 by 4 because it was supposed to be four player co-op um all the time on mario 64 Mm, and you could do that in some of the uh local stuff but uh yeah that was uh that was a really good time and yeah love reminiscing back through old magazines and old video games and stuff um good good stuff so and that everyone is going to do us for this episode of the show uh thanks of course everybody for tuning in and listening uh, as we continue on uh, through this uh summer period of nintendo being silent and saying nothing although by the time you hear this who knows maybe a nintendo thing will have happened um bali let's just kind of break down the idea here we're obviously you're traveling so we're doing a shorter show but also potentially if nintendo do something next week which for everyone listening to this is last week um we will be we are recording currently on sunday june 12th yes and this episode uh goes out on if i get my calendar i think it's monday uh the 20th right exactly this episode goes out on monday the 20th so if something happens or is announced between 12th and 20th um which you don't care about you'll have already listened to it (laughs) this is the time paradox (laughs) if it already happened you'll have already listened to it but anyway that's that's what's going we're outlining our plans after they've happened yeah (laughs) what great idea Uh, smart we're great uh anyway that's that hopefully should explain things um and, and yeah we'll obviously we'll be back with another show uh in a, in a couple of weeks time but um before then let's uh get some plugs in here and tell you about our wares and where you can find them um i just want to give another shout out to the games 
that I'm involved in publishing. Uh, if you go to YouTube and search The Entropy Center or The Last Faith, it will take you to trailers, probably PlayStation's YouTube channel trailers, um, and you can watch them there. Last Faith is coming to Switch alongside all other platforms. Entropy Center is coming to everything that isn't Switch. Also, it's um, the correct spelling of Center. It's the British spelling. It's yes. like C-E-N-T-R-E. That's how, how you'll find Entropy Center. So yes, do do get your spelling correct on that. Um, so yeah, go, go wishlist them on Steam. That would be the best thing to do. That's really appreciated. If you are interested in them, uh, of course, that would be fantastic. So go check those out. Um, you can also check out me on social media by following at LordNBZ. Uh, Bally, where can they find you? I'm on Twitter at Ballyman91. That's B-A-L-L-Y-M-A-N-9-1 fantastic you can also find the podcast twitter at tnl podcast where i'm sure you will have gotten updates about whether nintendo is doing something or not and whether we're doing something about it (laughs) so yes go uh, follow there and get all the updates and news and everything about the show Uh, obviously you can join our community if you go over to our discord that is linked in the description a lot of people chatting in there um, had a bit of chatting about uh, the summer games period and and what is being announced and some people watching along and chatting about that stuff um, as well as you know you can send in emails via there and all that good stuff um and obviously you can uh follow us on youtube too where we put out video versions of the podcast um if that is your preferred destination to listen to them um good place to follow youtube.com slash this nintendo life uh if you would like to contribute to the show in some way uh, and have your emails read out you can send them to our email address which bali will remind you of once more please email this nintendo life at gmail.com that is this nintendo life at gmail.com fantastic um and yeah you can find the show in a lot of different places we're on spotify we're on stitcher we can be downloaded in any podcasting app if you have an app on your phone you search this nintendo life you should find us there with a logo that looks like a game boy subscribe to us it's great it means you don't have to download individual episodes they'll just be done straight to your phone easy as pie and of course Bally, we'd like to thank some people who uh, support us uh, in a great way over on patreon.com slash this nintendo life where you can go for bonus episodes to hear us talk about nintendo stuff we will be talking about probably the microsoft and bethesda show and as well as a happened. bunch of other stuff uh yeah uh, which you can go and listen to on patreon which is fantastic so go and listen to that um and uh yeah you can also get bonus conversations had a bit of a chat about obi-wan uh gonna have a bit of chat about giant bomb stuff so uh, go and listen to that stuff as there well we um and uh, bali uh, we'd like to thank some of our patrons yes thank you to our ten dollar tier patrons they are zach s atari alex thomas matthew and albert thank you all for your support but thank you to all of our patrons it's of course. hugely appreciated the support you give the show um, and hopefully you enjoy the bonus content yeah absolutely uh, so do check that on out if you are so inclined um but that i believe brings us to the end of the show Bally. uh i don't know what my voice is going like this but uh uh i don't know i've had a long week man i'm fucking tired uh yeah i i I was you know editing trailers and like figuring stuff out talking to playstation it's a it's a whole thing so but uh, now you can just sit back and watch all the hits come in watch the reactions it's a a good feeling honestly yeah i'm really i'm thrilled by the reaction everyone has been very very nice and positive about both trailers which is really really good uh and and validating so excited for more on that later but uh until then i think i'm just gonna go to sleep bali so uh so thanks everybody for listening uh we'll see you next time until then uh we'll see you soon bye-bye folks
The musical interlude used on today's show was a remix of The Edge of Dawn from Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes. Copyright Nintendo 2022.